0: Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Worth It Podcast. Our leadership gurus, Ryan Dyer and Andy Dorsey, will talk about their tips for maximizing leadership potential, faith, and family, all while raising awareness and funds for children with hearing impairments.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of our Worth It Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Dorsey. Got Dr. Ryan Dyer. Um, We're just Two athletic administrators. Uh, we're both former high school coaches. With Coach Dyer coaching uh, high school basketball, and I'm an ex uh, high school football coach. Uh, this podcast is, is for anybody who, who wants to be a leader or aspiring to be a leader. And uh, we discuss all different types of things within leadership potential, with faith, our family, um, and you know. And one of the underlying things is we're trying to raise awareness uh, and funds for children with hearing impairments. Um, and we do this through our partnership. With UVA Children's Hospital and anybody out there that is interested and would like to donate, uh, you can do a tiny URL backslash worthitpodcast.com, and 100% of of all those proceeds go directly to the hospital uh, to help the hearing impaired. Um, At this time, we're extremely excited to introduce our next guest, and I'm going to turn it over to uh, Coach Dyer.
2: Yeah, thanks for doing all that, Andy. And, and like you said, we're we're doing awesome with our uh, with our funds that are being raised at tinyurl. Url slash Thank you for donating. And we have some big things coming up with, with all that. We're very very blessed today on the show. Uh, we have Lee Cockrell, who I'm one of his biggest fans. Um, always goes out of his way to to help people. Uh, Lee is a former executive vice president of operations for Walt Disney World. Uh, He was also the senior operating executive for 10 years, led a cast member crew of over 40,000 people, 20 resort hotels, four theme parks, two water parks, shopping, entertainment, ESPN, uh, you name it. You know, Lee's been at Hilton Hotels before that, uh, Marriott, and just bounced around, done some cool stuff overseas with Disney. Uh, runs an awesome podcast now that hopefully I know he'll tell you where you can find I was telling uh, Andy before the show Lee I'm a big podcast guy and I I wear out podcasts you're my number one download every week Tuesday when it comes out you and Jody do such a great job uh, I bet I'm your very first listener every week so thanks for being on the show man
0: you got to get up early to be the first one because they start over in Australia and move this direction with the time zones.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not the first one, but the most excited one, I can promise you that and, and Thank follow you. Daniel and all he does and just, uh, what a cool family you have. So, uh, Lee, tell us a little bit about your, your background and how you got to be uh, a Disney VP and, and kind of your story a little bit.
0: Well, it's, it's per- probably a miracle that I got that job, but, um, yeah, I, I've tell people I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma. Uh, we were poor. We didn't know, I didn't know anything. We, had, we didn't even have indoor plumbing. My brother and I didn't know that was a problem until we found out other people had it. And uh, it was a pretty dysfunctional family. My mother was pretty busy. She was married five times. So I, uh, I've been adopted twice. I got my name Cocker when I was 16 by husband number four. And because she started making better decisions, I got to go to college because he had money. And um, so I went to Oklahoma State University for two years and forgot to go to class. So I promptly flunked out and went in the Army in 1964 and um, met a guy there. When we got out of it, uh, he asked me if I wanted to go to Washington, D.C. with him. He was going to open the Washington Hilton up on Connecticut Avenue up there where uh, John Hinckley shot President Reagan back in the 80s. Uh, coming out of the hotel actually and um i said sure i'd never been anywhere outside of oklahoma i was 20 years old and got my car we drove to washington and i got a job at the washington hilton as a waiter in the banquet department and uh i'd I'd never been in a hotel before my whole life Uh, when you grow up on a farm you don't really go to hotels (laughs) well we went to one hotel when we were 16 with a keg of beer but that was not considered lodging and uh So, uh, yeah, I just got started. I got into a management training program. I tell young people today, the reason I got into the management training program is, and without a college degree is I had a good attitude. If you don't have a college degree, it's probably good to have a good attitude (laughs) because that'll help you. And I'm very organized. I'm very disciplined. I have a very good system for staying, keeping my promises, doing what I say I'm going to do, following up. That's pretty critical today to be uh, somebody who can – do what they say they're going to do and you can trust them. So then I would worked for Hilton for eight years. I met my wife in the hotel where I worked and we got married and uh, then I got transferred to Chicago and then to the Waldorf Astoria in New York and then went to Los Angeles. And uh, we had a two year old by then. And then I stayed with Hilton eight years. Went to Marriott for 17 years, became the vice president of food and beverage operations because I had focused on learning all I could about food and beverage. So I'd been a cook. I'd been a waiter. I had done all the jobs, accounting, finance, uh, and all that paid off because, you know, once you become an expert in something, somebody somebody wants you. And people say, how can you say uh, you're an expert? And I said, because I know more about it than you do. (laughs) So that makes me an expert. And uh, I was very successful. I was in food and beverage business for 25 years, and then I got to be a general manager, and then I got re- recruited by Disney, again, uh, to open the food and beverage operations in France, to open Disneyland Paris. Did that for about a year, two years, and then I became the vice president of operations for the hotels over there, and then I asked to come back to Orlando and be uh, uh, in charge of the hotel division. And then a couple years later in charge of all operations at Disney. And uh, it was just kind of unfolded. And I would say uh, my wife, uh, her, her dad was an Admiral in the Navy. So she'd already moved 12 times before she, before she met me. And we've moved 11 times and we've been in Orlando 29 years. So you can imagine those early years was to get a promotion, you had to go. And yeah, we did, and we, we, had, we loved everywhere we lived, had fun. We have one son. Daniel, uh, who was, worked for Disney 25 years and was the vice president of the Magic Kingdom when he left, and he started a business like I do. We do seminars and speaking and all kinds of things, and uh, then I started the podcast. A guy called me and said, you want to do a podcast? I, I didn't said, I didn't even know what a podcast was, <laughs> so we started that seven years ago. We got 350 or 60 episodes now every Tuesday. It's called Creating Disney Magic. Give you a lot of good advice in 15 minutes for how to be a better leader, better manager, maybe a better father, maybe a better husband. We talk about everything from anxiety and depression to what people are trying to achieve and all those things that we all have the same problem with. And then uh, I wrote four books on leadership and management, and then I've got an online cockerel academy now. It's eight core. Courses, which is a subscription service and that's selling well and we've got some contracts with some big companies that use it for training development of their companies and and that's about it after i my wife makes me get the laundry done and vacuum and make the beds and i uh, do podcasts like this with you
2: yes sir <laughs> well i know if people aren't listening to your podcast they're missing it like i said it's short and it's awesome and it's my it's my favorite and that's saying a lot for somebody who listens all the time you know you you have some great the great great book uh time management magic and i know you people need to go check that book out first of all um but just give us some of your favorite tips on time management i know you got the magical planner that we love and but just any of your favorite tips
0: well you know i was always disciplined you know as somebody said i was home on time for dinner but uh um, I didn't have a system and as you get more responsibility in life like really from maybe in college to getting married to then kids and then a soccer game and your mother-in-law's coming in and your boss wants this and it just it gets bigger and bigger and faster and faster and uh i finally went to a seminar when i was about 30 uh 1980 or so and my boss made me go and i learned a system which was amazing uh how to how to keep your life under control and uh it's not about time management. It's how do you keep all parts of your life under control? And uh, I learned that. and I started practicing. Then I started writing my own system and teaching it. I've been teaching it for f- almost 40 years and probably three or four hundred thousand people have gone through it. And it helps. I mean, because high school kids and college kids don't, some reason we're not teaching them this organizational skills. How do you get it all done? How do you decide what not to do? How do you decide what to do? You only got so much time and you got to learn to say no, you've got to focus on the important things. And when I was at Disney, I, only three things I focused on was making sure we hired the right people, they got the right training and we treated them right. I had a lot of experts that did everything else, engineering and food and merchandise. After I retired, my wife told me she, that I had three new items to work on. She said, your new items are take care of yourself so you can take care of us, then take care of your family, then take care of your business. And if you have any time left over, you can help Kim Kardashian with her problems or play golf or do whatever you want. But, and I think that's true. We all got to think well, what are the three most important things you got to get done before you do other things. And your health certainly is one. And you guys are in the athletic business. You know that when you're healthy, you perform better. You got a better attitude. Uh, I mean, everything's attached to that one thing. And if that doesn't go right, not much goes right in your life. And I've learned really over the years that procrastination, which a lot of people do, students put things off, uh, parents, everybody doesn't do the hard things because if you don't feel well, if you wake up in the morning, you didn't get enough sleep, or you drank too much, or you went out too late and you're not eating right, because not getting enough sleep is the starter for having low energy and uh, procrastinating. You know, those days when you don't feel well, you don't get much done. You know, next thing you know, the day is over and you kind of sat on the couch and looked out the window and whatever. So I really focus on my health. Uh, My wife and I both have a trainer. We work out twice a week on agility, balance and uh, strength. And uh, because I tell people I'm in the ozone, you know, the obituary zone. I'm 77. Uh, You know, you look in the paper, 77 is a bad number to be in, (laughs) in that section. And so we're just trying to stay healthy, and and it, it enables me to work and to do things and to travel and to uh, keep up with everything. And I, I think we got to really focus that with kids and with adults uh, get focused on your health. You talk about priorities in life. Uh, how many people you know? It's broken a hip, or uh, they they just uh, they walk bent over, and they have low energy, and they don't want to do anything. And, and, you know, you talk about priorities in life, that's one that'll serve you in every single way. And you see the great athletes, they're in shape, <laughs> I mean, they take care of themselves. And uh, it pays off, it pays off not only in athletics, it pays off in all parts of life. And uh, uh, you're in a better mood when you feel good. So you don't aggravate your wife. And then then you stay married, you don't have to get a divorce.
2: <laughs> Amen to that.
0: So hard things. we got to get teach people to do the hard things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, Ryan and I, we we both have a student athlete leadership team, and, uh, you know, and time management one of those big pieces that we talk about. Um, I just met with mine last week and started creating those I believe lists, you know, and wanted the kids to be able to write down what they thought their priorities were, you know, at, a, at, at the age that they're at and, and trying to encourage them to. Uh, you know, reflect on those once in the morning, you know, get up in the morning, just glance over them as a constant reminder. And then that way, like you said, if, um, if health is a priority, then you're looking at it, say, okay, what am I doing today um, to change my health, to to make my health better? Um, So, so that's great advice. And, um, you know, and as you were speaking, I was wondering, man, when does this man sleep? Um, Because you have so much going on. And, um, but you know, I know it's a labor of love and I, I know you really enjoy it and you've learned to manage that and uh, so that's uh, you know I think what makes you know what you do and what you've accomplished over the years so great and so special. Um, I had a superintendent uh, that I worked for one time and when he was talking about our campuses and, and talking about um, you know our, our bathrooms you know he said we want we want to be Disney World clean you know and I, I'll never forget that that um, you know, and, and even in the athletic world, our locker rooms are, you know, uh, are grass or flowers out front. And, uh, and I've heard you speak about that in, in prior podcasts about, you know, just that's what that's what the magic is. And um, if, uh, you know, if your campus is dirty, then then that means that, you know, this is not a institution for higher education and, and it's not important to us. So just constantly making that. You know, a top priority because you know what you produce and what you show, and and what people come into, and and I think that's what he referred to by as as, as making something Disney World clean. So, um, and that's a testament to you, and, and you know, and all of all of the Magic Kingdom and all over the world that does such, such a wonderful job with that. Um, as a you know, a, a high driven person, somebody that is a high achiever. And, and you have touched on this and just talk briefly about the balance, you know, with your family and um, being able to juggle and, and maybe just kind of dig into a little bit about um, your time management magic, you know, one of the books that you wrote and, and how that and I know you, you briefly talked about your son, Daniel, your wife, Priscilla, and just how those relationships, uh, you know, how that was able to say successful through everything that you had going on.
0: Well, it's a good timing because my grandson's in France going to college, and he's 20, the (laughs) same age I was when I went in the Army, and he's not organized. So when we have a call scheduled with him, he forgets about it, and he forgets about it with his parents, and we kind of all worked him over this weekend for forgetting. I said, do you need a day planner, Tristan? Uh, I said, you know, you're going to have a tough career if you forget because people don't trust you when you forget. And he wrote me that sweetest note. He said, "I think I need to get organized, Pappy, and I do need a planner, and I need to start using it." And I sent him a note today, and I said, "The first thing you do in time management, you get yourself a planner, has every day of the every day of the week in it, in the year, weeks, a year, and then you get your you decide on what your routine is going to be." And I would suggest you wake up in the morning. You look at your email, you look at your texts, or any other devices you use where you're getting messages from people. To see if there's anything you got that came in overnight you got to take care of, and then uh, sit down for a few minutes and uh, write down in your planner anything you saw that you need to take care of today, tomorrow, this week, or two weeks from now. Dot them in there so you don't forget about them. The time, what the what it is you got to do. I said, routine is really important when you start doing this. It's like brushing your teeth. Every morning you do that, and then you look at your text, and, and all of a sudden you, because he some, often forgets to look at his email, and we're getting messages from so many different ways, you know, text and emails and every other, if you're on other sites, uh, uh, Messenger and all those. So you got to have a system for looking at those. And then I said, and you can include the next thing you do is call your girlfriend in America, Eden, and say hello to her. I know that's part of your routine. And you never forget that one, by the way. I know already. I know you call her, but you don't call us. So uh, and then um, all through the day, you look at your planner and see what you wrote in there. And when you're sitting in class, you're on the bus or you're somewhere and you think of something you wanna do next week or Friday or tomorrow or today, you open that little planner and you write it in there while you're thinking about it. And then you, I said, I sent you two planners, Tristan. I took a 2022 one and I fixed it. So you'd have two months for the last two months of 2021 because they're not available out there right now. And I gave you a 2022 and there's, I got you the little small ones that'll fit right in your pocket. They're about the size of your phone so that you because if you get the big ones at your age you'll lose it you'll leave it somewhere you, you know at least this will fit right in your pocket and i said you set a routine and every day you take a few minutes to think about what you need to get done today the commitments you have already made are they in there so when we go, agreed to have a phone call with you on sunday night at five o'clock you while i'm talking to you you write it in there and when you get this routine going uh uh, you will start to get the, the right kind. Anytime you make a commitment, you put it in your planner so that you don't forget it. And uh, that's, it's simple. Uh, it's, um, I've, I've, used, I've got this same planner for, oh gosh, uh, 35 years, I guess. I keep buying it. I understand they're going out of business, but I had a whole bunch of things to do today, as you can see there. whole list. I got. By the way, I just came back from uh, seeing my finance guy and I have uh, completed everything in the list. And you know how you feel when you've checked them all off? You feel good. It gives you uh, some self-confidence. It helps you believe the ability to achieve what you want to achieve. And sometimes you can't do everything yourself. You may need a trainer. You may need a at Disney, I needed a lot of experts to do the job. For me, I did I, I couldn't do everything. I have a good tax accountant. I have a good uh, marketing person. I have a good website guy. Uh, you know, I have a good trainer because he makes me do it right. When I work out by myself, I always get hurt because I don't get in the right position, or I try to lift too much, or I, you know, I'm sure you see that all the time. People going to the gym and hurting themselves. And uh, so, experts can keep you out of trouble. Uh, so always think about, can I do this or do I need to have somebody? Uh, your parents, you can call your dad, get investment advice, whoever, it doesn't matter who it is. And to get over this thing that you got to know everything, be willing to admit that you don't know everything and you could get better just like you. I'm sure you go and study other coaches, you, you're watching other films or looking for that new idea, that new way. When you look for the information, it's out there every day. And you got to capture that. So if you want to watch a certain coach and it's next Sunday, you've probably flipped over there and written it down so you don't forget it. What channel it's going to be on or, or what game you're going to. Or this is how you uh, become an expert is a cumulative. It happens over time. People ask me why I'm a time management expert. And I say, because I know more about it than you do. I think about it every day, I read about it, I look for new ways, new ideas. I use my alarms on my phone to remind me of what I'm supposed to do for this podcast, by the way. It would have gone off at five o'clock, so I come in here and make sure I've got the right website or the right link. Uh, you got all this, to, I guarantee today, we got everything we need at our fingertips. We got a planner, we got a phone, we got alarms, we got Google to look up while I'm talking to you if I want to look up something. To, I mean, we have no excuse for not being organized. It's, uh, and I would say leaders today, you need two things. You need empathy and you need discipline. Those are the two things that will make you a good leader. And I, the reason I say empathy in this one, that's what mothers do. Mothers are great with empathy and discipline. And they will kick your butt and then they'll tell you they love you <laughs> and i'm sure coaches do that too sometimes you gotta wake them up and then you got to make sure when they do something good you tell them and empathy and discipline and also uh, leaders quit trying to be liked be fair and firm that's how people come to trust you when you're fair and firm and you treat everybody the same And uh, so when I just think about those two all the time, empathy, discipline, fair and firm. And if you do those kind of things, uh, you're going to be trusted by people because uh, a lot of leaders let it go. They, you know, they discipline some people and they let others come to work late. I mean, it's that confuses people. And then they think you're uh, showing preferential treatment to people. And that's the worst way you can a leader that's. shows preferential treatment to some and not, I mean, that's a good way to get in trouble and, uh, and learn to do the hard things, the hard conversations, the hard decisions, the hard workouts, the hard, uh, you know, most people don't do the hard things, but then life gets harder because if you don't do the hard things, things don't get better. And I'm sure you, how many times you talk about that in practice and fitness and sleep and, those are all hard. It's hard to go to bed on time when you'd rather stay out till three in the morning when you're 18 years old. But if you're going to be a great football player or a great basketball player, or a great baseball player, you got to decide what you're going to commit to. And, uh, it's hard, but that's the way it is. Uh, you know, and I think you all, the way you all talk about it, it's right. Excellence is a state of mind. You said you can have a dirty campus or a clean one. That's a decision. You can, uh, You can decide to be great or you can decide to be average. I mean, it's like it's a state of mind. And usually the leadership like you, the coach or the head of the school, those are the people that uh, are the role models. They make you be great. (laughs) And if you're not great, uh, they have a conversation with you. And if you want to have a great team, you got to have a great team. You got to have great people that care. And if you want to have an average team, you can let them come late and you can not work with them on getting fit and being safe. And <laughs> you can, you can mistreat them. And so you lower their self-esteem. So they get depressed. <laughs> it's a, it's a big responsibility. And uh, I think sometimes we don't think about it that way. We, the influence you and I uh, uh, we have is unbelievable. And people underestimate their influence in my opinion. We just think, well, I'm just this or I'm just that. No, you have huge influence, especially young people, huge. And they want it and they need it. And they're not always getting it at home. In fact, you may be the most important person in their life to set the example. I find that out over and over and over again, that a lot of kids are not getting that that belief in themselves at home where they should be getting it. But uh, the teacher and the coach can be the first firewall They can notice that they can. And I would tell you, I have a kid I focus on and his grades weren't very good until they got a whole lot better. When his baseball coach said, if you don't make this certain grade, you're not playing anymore. (laughs) That got him moving. His mother wasn't impressing him, but this coach told him, here, here's the story by guy. And I think that's great because when you want to do something, the person who's in charge of that can get you to do it. You know, and uh, if somebody told me I couldn't do something unless I did that and I love to do it, then I would uh, probably respond. So I think uh, parents, maybe they should do it. Maybe they can't do it. There's a lot of dysfunction, as you know, you're in the school system, you know what's going on. And uh, these kids just need somebody they can um, respect and look up to. And uh, I think a coach is often that person, by the way. Frankly, I remember my coach in high school, my track coach. I mean, he was a great guy. I still remember him 50 years later how he treated us. How he, yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey, Lee, you um one thing I was I was talking um to Ryan earlier, and you know, and I had the privilege to be on the on his local podcast with or I guess it's more of a book study that he was doing with his coaches, uh, you know, almost two years ago today and, you know, and it, and it kind of hit me and you were talking about, you know, having a planner and, and writing things down and, and one thing that I wrote down. Um, you know, almost two years ago that you said that I would love for you just to touch base quickly on. As you said, there are three things that people need to be successful. You know, it was education, it was exposure <laughs> and experience. And, and I'll be, I've used that so many times in, in talking to kids um, and young people. And in education, sometimes I've kind of referred to them that it goes back to what you said. It's uh, knowing more than the next guy. It's not so much a degree <laughs> It's just knowing your trade and, and trying to do it uh, better than the than the next person.
0: Yeah, you know I think education teaches you theory. <laughs> Experience teaches you reality, <laughs> and exposure teaches you to be a have respect for people, because you get exposed to people from everywhere. You get exposed. I tell young people today: as soon as you graduate, get out of the village, go to the big city for five years, meet people from all religions and backgrounds, and uh in the big city nobody cares what you are they care who you are and can they trust you and can will you do a good job and and you know the difference between what you know and what you can do are two different things and we get a lot of kids that come out of college and uh they've had no experience so they're in shock when they have to get to the first job and they they had they've had no work experience and that boss is not like their mother and they got to show up for work and they got to do this and they got to do that it's stressful and uh I Boy, the one thing I think we've driven in our family with our grandkids, who are 26, 23, and 21 now, and our son was, you work when you're 14, 15, 16, you work. You have a job, and it may be in horticulture. I said, you can write. You know, it may be mowing lawns, it may be spreading mulch, and it may be pulling weeds. And you you can put on horticulture specialist on your resume, but I don't. You just, you still need to know why you don't want to pull weeds for the rest of your life. And uh, experience there's nothing. I mean, I would suspect at the end of the day, experience is what makes you successful. And exposure. That exposure thing to me is you know I was grew up in Oklahoma, which was pretty. Uh, we'll say the town I grew up in was pretty uh, racist and pretty bigoted. And I grew up thinking that's the way it was. I went to segregated high schools and school. I didn't even know any different. Uh, I went in the army before the uh, civil rights laws were passed. When I got on the bus that morning, I looked out the window at the bus station, said white and colored water fountains, white and colored restaurants. I was there, I know this. Then I went in the military, first black person I ever met was when I was 20 years old. (laughs) Can you believe that? And then all of a sudden, I started to figure out all those things I heard at home about other people weren't true. And then I moved to Washington, D.C. Everybody there is from somewhere else. Then I moved to New York City, and then to Los Angeles, and then to Paris. And uh, what you learn is no, all people are, they have babies, they love them, they care about them, they want to. Don't, don't be thinking about people as governments. The governments are all useless. I mean, it's people, it's people, people, people. And uh, so that's where I tell people, make sure you're getting the education. And even if you drop out, of, you don't go to college. Like me, I didn't finish. You've got an internet now, you got Google, you can learn anything you wanna learn. Podcasts, you can go to seminars, you can go online and take courses. Uh, you can become as smart as the next person if you want to. Pick something you love and it's all that information is in your pocket on that phone and then go out and get experience, any experience. I tell people, how can I, they say, how can I get with Disney? I said, take a job nobody else wants. Get your foot in the door and then show them how great you are and you won't be there six months before you get promoted because when you're great, you're noticed. It doesn't matter what the job is. Daniel, my son, started in parking. He had a degree from Boston University. He's got an MBA. He started in parking. I started as a waiter. And, and as you just mentioned, I said, the uh, kids have say, how can I be successful? Be better than everybody else. Smarter, better attitude, raise your hand. Don't get that look off your face. Don't whine and complain and go on. Just be great. And you'll get noticed. It's uh, very few people are trying very hard. And then uh, you'll get your shot. So experience. And when you become really an expert at something, everybody go on and watch you. Could be IT work, information technology. Could be football it could be it doesn't matter what it is there's a need for everything yeah so those three you got to keep in mind am I getting all three of those am I exposing myself to things I'm uncomfortable with (laughs) somebody I'm uncomfortable with ideas I'm uncomfortable with because when you expose yourself to hard things they're not hard anymore (laughs) <laughs> that's what happens, right? It's and I like, think
2: you mentioned that, like the um, your very last podcast, you talked about why be good when you can be great. And that's a uh, that's some great great points that you uh, that you always make, you know, at your, on your last one, it, which kind of leads me into the visibility piece of being a leader. You know, you talk a lot about at Disney World, you would walk around was it Hilton, I believe, or or Disney. You tell me, but six a.m. you would walk to the hotel, and then yeah. at six p.m. you'd walk it again. So how important is it to be visible as a leader?
0: How often did you see your mother? All the time. <laughs> there you all go. All the time. The more people see you, the more comfortable they are with you, and the more they will help you run your business, and the more impact you will have on them. You can't just show up. You know, we all know when somebody comes once, everybody's go, oh, God, get ready. Let's clean up the family, I mean, blah, blah, blah. I always did that when I was at Marriott and at uh, Disney. I scheduled a lot of time out in the business, and uh, everybody knew me. And they know what they found out I don't bite. <laughs> you know, most bosses they think are real jerks <laughs> until you prove you're not. <laughs> and you treat with empathy and discipline, they got to know who I was. They trusted me. I did what I said I was going to do. If they gave me something that was screwed up, I went and fixed it. So uh, I can't imagine, uh, you know, not being, you got to be available. You got to be out there people got to see you they got to know what you want and you're out walking around reminding them just like your mother did she reminded you every day what her expectations were and you didn't always like it you probably didn't like your mother when you were 15. but uh yeah and i'm sure a lot of the guys coach don't like the coaches when they're kicking their butt and uh but they look back and they come back and uh, we all look back and then we know, wow, I'm glad I had that, my mother, I'm glad I had that coach, I'm glad I had that physics teacher that taught me real physics, or taught me, or worked with me, or was available for me to come and see him after class, uh, you know, I mean, those, are, that's, because if you're, if you don't know people, you don't go ask to have help, you don't go in after class, because, you know, it's when we, when we connect, and uh, I try to make it, people feel so comfortable with me. They'd tell me everything because that kept me out of trouble. And look at all these sports coaches, by the way, that are getting in trouble now with the Olympics, with gymnastics, with soccer. Why? Because people didn't didn't know what was going on. And it went on for years and years and years because it was uncomfortable subject. And, uh, my goal is to stay out of the courtroom and to stay out of a lawsuit and stay out of the newspaper and never need a lawyer. And that way you got to figure out what, you're, what you stand for. What are your values? Are you going to, you know, and then you, when you know what's going on, you may find out one of your coaches or one of your players is doing something inappropriate. Then you take care of it. It never becomes a big deal. I want want my people to come to me, not to the newspaper, not to a lawyer, not to the superintendent. I want them to come to me if they got a problem and I'll fix it. And that's what they have to know. And when you had a big problem in your life, you went to your mother and she took care of it. (laughs) And she took care of you too sometimes. So I think it's that simple. I think we've got to use those analogies with students to know, hey, you may not be happy with what I just did, but... I appreciate you. I'm behind you. This is for you. I want you to be successful. And so run another 200 yards anyway, (laughs) but I love you. You know, I love you, but I'm going to make you better. You're going to be better in this group. Yeah. That's the
1: old, uh, coach you hard and love you hard. Absolutely.
0: My wife's been coaching me for 53 years and she told me today. She said we went to lunch. She said, "You know, Lee, I love you, even though you aggravate me almost every day."
1: <laughs> oh man! Hey, what is uh? the, you know, obviously you've had a lot of success, and um, but tell our listeners just one obstacle that you've had to endure as a leader, and 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 what you tried to do to overcome it?
0: Well, mine was personal. I was a good manager, but I didn't have a real affection or empathy for people because I was insecure. I grew up in a very insecure family. I didn't have a college degree. So when I got a management job, I was uh, not a very good, I was a good manager. I got things done, but I left, you know, I probably mistreated a lot of people and intimidated people and because of that insecurity. And I'll tell you almost every person you run into who tries to intimidate people or raise their voice to people or scare them, that's an insecure person. And that was me. And I had to go through a lot of self-reflection to get out of that and start I didn't trust anybody. I didn't trust anybody. Unless I followed up and paid attention, was on your rear end, you wouldn't get it done. And I had to go through a big change. I started going to seminars, reading more about leadership, trying to think about the people who really got a lot done. And uh, slowly but surely, I got over my insecurities because, well, each time I had a success in my career, I got more secure. And I and eventually when I knew I was really good, it's then I knew that, you know, I can't do this by myself. You can't run Disney World by yourself. You'll die. I mean, it's like a machine and it's big and 50 million visitors and 7000 managers. Uh, So you got to get over it or you'll just have to be in your own little business with two employees. And they probably won't stay. By the way, that's why a lot of people are hard to hire today. Employers screwed up. They should have been treating these people better before they had the opportunity now to walk away. And a lot of them are not coming back. And $15 an hour is all already over. That's not going to work either. That's done. And uh, uh, it's a, you know, I told people quit looking for people and focus on keeping the people you got, treat them right, train them, develop them, show them a future, uh, help them with the problems they have, uh, have hard conversations with them, tell them you're going to help them because You go there offers people more than a job today or they're not going, you're not going to have, that's it. And you know, we got restaurants around here, can't even open for lunch anymore. And uh, I I was going to send something to my grandson in France, but I don't trust the post office now. So I'm going to pay a fee, extra fee to send it through UPS. I mean, it's like nothing's working. Nothing's working. I mean, you order things, they don't come. They're not available. There's no staff. There's no employee. And we got the same with teachers. Teachers are leaving because they're not feeling like they're appreciated and they're not feeling like they're paid right, which is true. And let me tell you, without appreciation, recognition and encouragement, people are not people are done. And we got a young generation. They're not my age where I put up with all that nonsense because that's the way it was. Uh, it's not that way anymore. They won't do it. Young, I had three grandkids. They will not put up with that. They will leave. One of them, are, he's a biomedical engineer, and he stayed with one company two years, and he left because they were totally screwed up. They, they weren't treating him right, and he's got a great job now. And uh, uh, you, that people better learn this.
2: Without, I think that's where you don't where start
0: treating people right. They're not going to treat you right.
2: That's right, and I think that's what's so intriguing about your your podcasts and your, your Cockerell Academy and all the things that you do. And, and just to kind of wrap things up, you know, because I know people are going to hear this episode and say, Hey, if they don't already know about you, they will, they're going to want to know more. Where can they find you at?
0: Yeah. My website's Lee I also have a cockerelacademy.com if they're interested in the uh, online learning and everything's there. The podcast is free. It's on there. Uh, my blog's on there. Uh, My books are on there if you're interested in any of the four books. Uh, There's videos on there of giving you kind of a a taste of the speaking, the way I speak to people uh, doing speeches. So it's all there. And my email address is on there and my phone number and my address. So you can always get a hold of me.
2: That's the craziest thing ever. You know, you really do put your number on there. And I finished one of your books one day. I actually need you for something. Don't get me wrong. But I called you. and You answered the phone. This is Lee. And that's just something that's just not, not real common nowadays. And you, you text back and forth and you answer the phone and you don't, you know, you don't necessarily know me. And that's a, that's something I'm, I'm very, uh, very thankful for. So we, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your, your schedule. It's, it's, you know, it's 522. So I'm sure Priscilla's got dinner for you all made up and you got things to do. So we're, we're so glad that you were with us today.
0: Well, you guys are doing great because sports is one of the, Key ways to build self-esteem, self-confidence in people, and to teach them about hard work. I think literally, I saw it in my son, I saw it in my grandkids. It's a that competitive spirit. Uh, it's important and uh, good work. Keep at it. Take care and good to see you guys.
2: Yes, sir. Thank, thank you so you much. If-
0: yeah. Take care. And let me know if you need anything.